VR nightmares. Venue closures. But the PS5 is on the way. That's That's showbiz, showbiz, baby. Welcome to episode three of the That Showbiz Baby podcast, your all things music business and media podcast. I'm your host, Colin McKay, with my co-host, Joseph Wazaleski. Joe, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I know. We sound like we're like on The View right now on yeah. like, the show. <laughs> um, Dude, I wish I was getting that View money. Are you kidding me? Right. Um, so uh, we got a lot to talk about. Uh, COVID's still going, and so are all of the... Uh, protests. Inst- protests, obviously, and PR nightmares related to that. Yeah. Um, I guess let's start off with... Uh, with and more lighter news let's start out with these charts yeah so uh this is billboard top 200 the top 10 of that so coming in at number one is chromatica lady gaga number two life on the flip side jimmy buffett <laughs> <laughs> stop laughing sorry, you're <laughs> life on the flip you know he's wearing flip-flops on that album cover yeah like i i, I didn't even look at the album cover and i i already know Three, my turn, little baby. Four, wanna, gonna. <laughs> That's great, actually. After I say that out loud. Five, high off life future. Six, dark lane demo tapes, Drake. Seven, the goat, Apollo G. Eight, Emmanuel, RLAA. Nine, blame it on baby, da baby. Ten, run the jewels for run the jewels. Awesome. We and- just talked about them. So, and here they are. Yeah, here they are. They're doing great, and I'm glad for them. Uh, I mean, looking at this top 10, I just think one of these things does not look like the other. <laughs> um, but <laughs> it's... Hey, I... Also, I was going to say, is number seven, isn't that... Is that Polo G? What did you call that? Po- po- did I say Polo G? Yeah, you say Polo. Okay, yeah, it might be Polo G. My apologies, Polo G. I think it's Polo. I, he's like a French artist that I don't know. It's like Polo G. <laughs> well, some of these I haven't heard of before, to be honest. I, I'll, I'll have to go and check them out. But, yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm surprised Future's on there on the top 10 because it's been a minute i feel like for him right and but we've discussed how it's kind of like a strange time for streaming numbers especially without cars and different things yeah and Um, then i'm not surprised drake's up there because he's literally there every every fucking day every time he's up there yeah and then lady gaga just came like smashing through with that Mm -hmm. you know and well she has great features on yeah. that album. I mean, when she did that song and said like publicly, like I'm doing a song with Ariana Grande, people got hype. It's like, Oh, Lady Gaga is like coming yep. back in like more of a traditional sense as opposed to like doing a soundtrack or like singing a song with Tony Bennett or, yeah. you know, did you listen to it? Uh, I've listened to the Ariana Grande single, uh, yeah. with her. Uh, but like, I, I haven't, haven't watched the video yet, but it, I heard it's, it's pretty good. good. I think it's a very well done video. Um, I guess, I guess like all these, <laughs> I don't want to say it like this, but I guess all these people that don't want to think about life right now are just like Jimmy buffeting it up. <laughs> like, you know, they're just like, well, okay. Latitudes. Okay. Here's the thing. I'm going to be hundo, one hundo with us right now. Uh, the top 200 data is taken out of album sales. Okay. So who I do you think that. is going to buy, buy a physical or like older buy, people, you know, like an iTunes album. I can yeah. see that. Yep. Yeah. And it's definitely his base. I don't think he's going to last another week up there. 
This is probably going to be his only week yeah, up there. It's definitely a very like funny chart to look at. <laughs> it's hilarious. I I love it so much. Um, so in relating to people trying to take some Jimmy Buffett and ignore time, <laughs> but like uh, we've seen some PR nightmares kind of related to what we were talking to uh, the other day of people, you know, and the other podcasts just not handling the situation very well and kind of just throwing stuff out there without thinking, how can this affect my business? And by the situation, you're referring to the Black Lives Matter yes, movement. Yes, I'm sorry. The Black Lives Matter movement and the protests in general. Uh, usually people responding to the protest is where you're going to see a lot of people get into tough water and just general people kind of now pointing out things that they go, hey, I, you know, I don't think that's right. Um, our first story involves the protest and the response to the protest and how that can affect your business. Uh, Joe doesn't know about this. I've kind of told him a little bit, but I thought he would enjoy this lesson and what I'm titling as a lesson in not how to navigate PR. (laughs) Um, so I came across this story and it came up from this guitar center tweet and they were tweeting back this one person. And uh, they said, we are no longer doing business with Full Tone and are moving quickly to remove all Full Tone products from our stores and websites, which is a big deal because they're a pretty big, like, kind of like, I don't want to say boutique, but like middle range pedal company. I mean, you see these pedals all the time, especially like the OCDs. Mm-hmm. Um, so they tagged the person who uh, w- was asking them something. I ke- the person has been deleted off Twitter. I can't find their profile anymore. Uh, but they also tag musicians friend, which they own as well. And it's one of the biggest like online retailers along with just guitar center in general and Sweetwater. And then they also tagged, which I thought was hilarious is they tag Sam Ash, which if you don't know about Sam Ash, Sam Ash is like a very family run company. And I thought it was kind of like a slight towards them because Sam Ash kind of put out a statement, you know, as most companies have to right now about BLM and the protests. And it was very like middle ground. It was like, we stand with the first responders as well as we stand with the support. So I feel like I was like, okay, guitar center. I see you with that clap back, yeah, <laughs> you know, against them. Anyway, I saw this and I was like, oh, that's, you know, some big news. Um, and like, let's see what's going on with that. Like, why did this happen? And so I went and looked on these pages run by Full Tone. Uh, the person who owns Full Tone is named Mike Fuller. Mike Fuller has made some very controversial posts, which in itself can get you in hot water with your company, but also have made them on the Full Tone page. Oh, no. <laughs> which, as if you know anything... Uh, you don't want to make these on your company's page or anything associated with these companies if you have something known as a controversial opinion in general. Um, so I will read you a post by Full Tone right now, which is the thing that got them kind of in hot water. Uh, he later apologized for this post, I should say, but it was later deleted. I believe I found the apology, but I'll let me show you this first. So he goes... On the full tone page. What is this like night four of looting with 100% impunity read a post added to the brand's official page, which bears a photo of Fuller as the profile picture (laughs) on June 2nd. And then he goes, the pussy mayor and governor don't give a shit about small businesses. And it's never been more clear Fuller further attracted negativity after adding, ah, I feel better and fleshed out some prissy boys who were raised to pee down, sitting (laughs) to pee, sitting down. Now I'll delete. Okay. 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 Hold on. 
There's a lot to unpack there. There's a lot there. to unpack there. Uh, I, by the way, I read that quote from uh, Guitar World magazine and <laughs> online uh, that's called Full Tone Owner Apologizes for Looting Rant, if you're wondering where I've gotten this quote from. But there's a lot to unpack there. And even if he put it on his personal thing, this is the company's page. Yeah. He has put this out there for... How many Christian artists do you think have a full tone pedal that are like, oh fuck? Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty okay. Now that now you're getting into that because some artists have actually responded to this. Uh, Mark Hoppus from Blink One Eighty Two said, "Never buying another full tone pedal, and we'll find a good way to get rid of those I already own." While Jason Isbell instead recommended followers to check out another company called Dogman Devices, and full tone, he said, has always been overpriced junk. <laughs> <laughs> Dude. When you piss off Jason Isbell, that's I mean, not... Dude, that's not good. <laughs> so I kind of... I, I found this from Guitar World and their two articles relating the Twitter post and also just his uh, thing that he got into trouble for. But I went some snooping on social media and kind of shown how even worse it is. So first off, there are two pages on Facebook around Full Tone. Um, one is the full tone page which is run by the company and its founder mike four two is the full tones pedal page which is like a community fan page mm-hmm. uh so the full tone pedal page is like at all out war and the and the page and the admin who runs it has become like such a advocate for blm on the page <laughs> that it's so ironic after this guy said this he's made the logo like the fist up in solidarity uh thing he has links to bml literature on there and to george floyd's family and where to donate and he's been screen capping the company's responses to fans who show their hatred for mike fuller's comments so uh anyway like here's one that he screen capped it says i am begging you to sell your full tone products because you don't deserve them you actually are so racist that you don't believe the good people who are protesting are the same as the organized gangbanger criminals who are looting storefronts those storefronts are good hardworking people's lives and livelihoods in fact I'm the, if there's anything always in controversial statements, it's a lot of grammatical errors in he means in fact, right. but it says I'm fact in <laughs> I'm fact, fact, if I see you with a full tone pedal, I will tag it and break into your house and loot it from you because it's my free expression to do so. Right. And then at the bottom of this email that was sent to a customer, Michael Fuller, president of full tone, <laughs> oh, <Michael. no. laughs> and I was like, Oh my God. So, this is like a perfect example of, okay, if you mess up and everyone's eyes on you are on you and you continue to mess up, there's not going to forget what just happened. <laughs> so let's move on to the apology, which I thought was so funny that I had to, that I had to put in here. And just for the sake of, you know, being transparent, I had to put it in here, but I will say again, it was deleted off the full tone page. Um, and the grammar is very hard to read in this one. And I had to find this from the full tone pedals fan page that reposted it. And I can't find this post anywhere else, but that page. So there is a chance it could be doctor, but from the comments I've seen, I don't think this is doctored. So I will read you what a bad response is. And if anyone is wondering why I'm reading these, it's because I want you to see like how confrontational and how terrible an idea this is for him to try to keep responding to this in this negative way and how it's like detracting from his company. So this is what he says. 
to my supporters who say, quote, what the fuck? You didn't say anything wrong. It's okay to be anti-looting, end quote. I suggest this. If that's your my, and then this is what gets confusing. There's parentheses in the post. So if you're wondering why I say parentheses, he is parentheses putting parentheses in the middle of the post to like kind of draw back to him <laughs> these so poor goes, listeners are gonna they're, they're be like this yeah. is rocket science it's like, hard to read <laughs> even if i'm looking at the text so i just wanted to see Here, how just bad bla- this just blaze through it okay if that's your parentheses my main parentheses or only concern that your parentheses i'm <laughs> ignoring the way more important issue of human life and dignity dot 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 which might you parentheses me a soulless robot going about your daily life grabbing nuts and squirreling them away it's quote consuming end quote without planting if you know what i mean it's very easy for me to say quote hey All I said was this, what's the big deal, end quote. But look at the reaction, the rage, it's real. I have put a stink on my company that has made many, many people rightfully disgusted and so embarrassed to see me me be seen with my product. Good job for... So what does one do? Do I hire one of the many quote PR lawyers that are swam- that are swarming my inbox or do I just cop to being an asshole and try to turn this into something better for others? Not just me. Perhaps the narrative could someday morph to reformed hassle asshole. Hey, a guy can dream. <laughs> and I don't think anyone wants to buy anything from any assholes. Yeah. I just think it's funny how he's like, well, it's kind of my fault, but it's not really my fault, which is the worst way to give. No, he's apology. putting the blame on the customers, right? Which is like, <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? Just shut up. <laughs> yeah, it's so bad. And there's so many grammatical errors and stuff. And I was like, oh, my God, what is this guy? It doing? definitely looks like an old man Facebook post. Yeah, it does. Again, this if, if you want to get a representation of this guy, the full tone company, his picture is the company's profile picture. Oh, my God god which is like just an indicator of the person that he is so okay backing up so other people inside the company were screen capping shit and posting okay let me clarify that there is another page that's a fan-made page full-tone pedals and that page has screen caps from people who are presumably full-tone customers who have messaged them through various means. Oh, okay. And these are the responses. A lot of like the one I gave about him saying like, I can come steal your pedals is a response to an email saying his, because this guy was like, I'm disgusted with what you said, Mike for. And he was like, well, I'm, I can come steal your pedals with my logic. Um, well, I yeah. mean, rest in peace, full tone. Yeah. I guess it's, it's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty bad. Uh, I was reading these. If you want to know what the situation is now, a uh, full tone page run by Mike Fuller only has two posts now about like BLM and the protests in general. So the first one, if you go like, if you go further back is, which I think is hilarious. This is after he has deleted his apology and stuff. He goes, looking for recommendations on some Los Angeles area music programs serving the African American community, having a hard time finding any, please email through the website, which what, I was like, what? you are trying You're to save so face. dumb. Yeah. I was <laughs> like, like okay, hold on, hold on. There is no way it's hard to find that right now. Yeah. There's <laughs> no way. Okay. Keep going. I'm sorry. So that was one. And I was like, you know, I, if he raises money for it, good. 
I'm glad, but like this is clearly in an effort to save his public appearance and his company's appearance. And I feel like people should know that it's not like a, Oh, I believe in this. Um, then his second most recent post, which is my favorite as he goes, I'm seeing some inaccurate news headlines by various online magazines that require clarification. I terminated guitar center and music <laughs> friends dealership on March 23rd, 2020 at 1239 PM. And they acknowledged <laughs> this back then these precede predates their recent tweet by a few months. And I was like, there's mm. no proof. I will give him guitar center has not said the reason why they did it, but it's kind of hard not to connect the dots here. I mean, if, okay, hold on. Guitar center though, put a statement out saying they, they dumped him though, right? They dumped him. He, they said, we're not, we're not going to carry their products anymore, but they didn't say why. And I thought if I could find, you remember this was a retweet of somebody tweeting them. And so I was trying to find the original tweet they responded to, to see maybe if the guy was like, Hey, this guy's saying some, you know, kind of like messed up shit about BLM and, you know, protests and stuff. And then them responding to it could kind of prove that they were like, this is our logic in getting rid of them. But yeah. since that Twitter account has literally been taken off or deactivated or whatever terms you want to use, um, you literally can't find what they're retweeting. Um, Hmm. So that was it. And then here's the real kicker that I know Joe will love. You know, the fan made page that I was talking about that's become the pro black lives matter page in response to this guy. Yes. It has double the followers than the <laughs> official company run Facebook page. Rest in it peace. It has 14,000 followers compared to full tones Holy around 14,000, 14,000. 14, okay. Wait, I thought you said 14,000 over. My bad. Oh, okay, no. so it's 14,000 versus 7,000? Yes, it has okay. double the amount, which is not like a crazy amount. That's but still like... of like, this is the page that I feel like if you like full ten pedals and you were like, I'm going to go like it on social media, that you're going to go see. You know <laughs> what I mean? So... I'd like to think all of those people came after this happened. Yeah, and then they just maybe, flooded it. Maybe. I don't know. I like... The thing that's hilarious to me is just... If you want to take some lessons from this, one, if you make a mistake then and you need to apologize, you need to fully apologize. Mm-hmm. I think that's at the bare minimum. This guy tries to do this half apology where he basically blames the world for the way he is and doesn't apologize. Yeah. Um, and like the only thing I think he says close to it is uh, he is in, that he has made many people feel a stink on his company and he's disgusted or embarrassed. And people are discussing embarrassed to be associated with his product. And I was like, yeah, that isn't a, I am sorry. So that's the first thing in making an apology. They're going to have a bunch of artists drop. Yeah. That's another thing. And like I was saying, some people like, you know, Jason Isbell and Blink-182 are, you know, talking about it and stuff. And the worst part is, is now they have this page that has doubled the thing on Facebook than them that is literally like just subtweeting this guy's responses. I cut out some of the responses, by the way, that he responded to people inquiring to the company about these statements he made. And they're also bad, but I didn't want to, you know, make this the longest segment in the world. Um, but yeah, so apologize first, I feel like, and then you need to give a great apology and then not say anything else about it <laughs> because this guy is just stoking the fire the entire time, in my opinion. What do you think, Joe? Do you think this I, guy I mean, could have done better? <laughs> uh, absolutely. 
you know, maybe he shouldn't say shit at the beginning. <laughs> like, Yeah, that's also a thing. If he has his private views, why is this on the full tone page? Yeah, but like, okay, so that's just bad business. It, whatever, like, side you're on, that's just bad business to do. Right. Uh, to especially if very, you're coming out swinging like that right, to do a very controversial ideal that I feel like in especially social media would be considered heinous. Yeah. You know, but, um, also I just want to put it out there that if you have a good PR representative, because I see this all the time with people, like there's a lot of people who hate PR people. And I understand the hatred because we've all seen the same notes, apology thing posted a million yeah. times, you know, of like YouTubers or artists who said or done something stupid. Um, but if you have a good PR person who understands your brand, who understands where you're coming from and can actually help you work through it, I think like from a business perspective, I just want to say those people are in like are so valuable right. to your brand. And I think it's it's this is the like nail in the coffin for him where he's just like fuck it i'm not even gonna try to get help. yeah he seems like, to be i mean if he's the head of this company and the founder like he's trying to do this and he's trying to be the public face of this company and clearly having so many hats on he is incapable of doing right that. he is incapable of doing that uh one sane person going hey we shouldn't do this and yeah. like at all would have saved this company from so much turmoil and people being like, we're going to throw it away. I saw one that was like, I'm going to sell these pedals and donate them to the black lives matter, like movement. <laughs> I was like, yeah, wait, wait, sell the pedals to BLM or no, sell the pedals, sell the pedals for donate. the money and then donate. Okay. Um, I was like, wait, <laughs> like, yeah, that no, would be here. Here you go. You, you guys, uh, here's you know, your racist pedals. <laughs> well, I was just imagine it's like, Hey, you guys having trouble with, you know, protesting and everything. Uh, here's a like overdrive pedal. It sounds pretty sweet. Dude, you know? sounds sick. Like, it's that's gonna... not going to help anyone. Um, anyway, what Joe is looking into another PR nightmare with, uh, one of I, our favorite natural okay. darlings. Yeah. I wouldn't call it a nightmare cause I definitely have seen worse. Okay. I will say this. It's a nightmare situation in terms of branding. Yes. I think what they hell, I think in the like actual response, it was like not a bad move, but it's a terrible thing in like situation to be in. Yeah. Okay. So if you haven't heard already, which I'm assuming if you listen to this podcast, you already have some inkling of music business news and this made like headlines for CNN, New York Times, like every everything. But Lady Antebellum is changing its name to Lady A. And that's after, uh, in response to the Black Lives Matter movement across America, they stated, we, when we set out together almost 14 years ago, we named our band after the Southern Antebellum style home where we took our first photos. As musicians, it reminded us of all of the music born in the South that influenced us, Southern rock, blues, R&B, gospel, and of course, country. But we are regretful and embarrassed to say that we did not take into, into account the associations that weighed down this word, referring to the period of history before the Civil War, which includes slavery. Now, um, just a little history lesson, because I know uh, I, I, I grew up in the South my entire life. I didn't know what the fuck antebellum mean, meant, you know? Um, so I think it's important to understand in context what this word is and kind of why it was used. So according to Merriam-Webster, antebellum uh, means before the war, 
but it wasn't widely associated with the U.S. It wasn't widely associated until the U.S. Civil War, basically. So 1861 to 1865, until that conflict was over. So after the war was over, that's when it got more popular, if I wasn't already clear on that. Uh, the word comes from the Latin phrase antebellum, literally before the war. That's what it means. And its earliest known print appearances in English dates back to 18, the 1840s. So people took this name after the Civil War, and I guess a little bit during it as well. Um, and they referred, uh, a, the biggest thing of it, I guess, that came out was antebellum style architecture, which basically resembles plantations, uh, while also they also used it for like names of restaurants, like Southern restaurants uh, and roads. There's like antebellum street and like all that stuff. Um, so of course, during the civil war, pre-war means slavery. That's what, you know, people are linking it to. Right. Um, and I'll, I'll be honest. Like I think lady a um, came at this before anybody even said anything about it. Yeah, I, you know, I kind of agree with that, but I think like it was almost like they were in the middle of the finger point towards them. Yeah. Cause I mean, we just had the thing with Gone with the Wind getting taken from there. And like there was a lot of arguments about Gone with the Wind, especially since it, you know, in the same way as Lady Antebellum and its connotation literally depicts the antebellum period of, you know, before the Civil War in some aspects. Mm-hmm. So, uh, well, and not only that, but when it's like referring to, a plantation like what that looks like yeah it's you know it's problematic especially yeah. for branding if you're looking at it purely from a business perspective in our current climate it is i don't think they would choose that name now you know yeah i mean i totally could see them when they like formed it and the label was like oh yeah this will get the people you know your style of music this could get a lot of people into you based off like the regal kind of name and stuff and people you know there's a a real thing in the south where people say you know like the antebellum period and like think it was like so cool and different stuff which is wrong but i i was never exposed to that but maybe more in like the deeper south i don't well i grew up in a civil war town like where a giant battle came so like this is the reason why i know about it oh yeah um so they changed it to lady a what do you think of that change joe what do do we think (laughs) in terms of like so they had three options here i guess i guess like yeah i guess three options so they had they stuck with the name Mm -hmm. they changed the name or mm-hmm. I guess they just stopped being a band. <laughs> like, well, I don't know what else. They're yeah, gonna be. I, I uh, guess. But but like that's not going to happen. So thing, we're back to the two. Well, the thing is, Lady A still makes hits. Like they're still charting a lot whenever they come out with records and stuff. Right now, from a PR perspective, from a branding expe- uh, perspective, there people know Lady Antebellum. They know that is a band. They know that's country music. And if you take that completely away, then you're definitely going to suffer for a minute. I don't know if you would suffer the whole time. Maybe people would, you know, jump on board with the other name, whatever that might have been. Um, but, you know, they say that they sit, they said in their statement to um, this is like the nickname that their fans gave them at the very beginning, too. Yeah. So it makes sense. So it's not out of nowhere. Yeah. Like it makes complete total sense, but I I do see 
a lot of mixed reactions. And if you have popcorn and a lot of free time, you should go to the Twitter mentions because, ooh. Right. Uh, so, like, I'm get like, they kind of, I would say this is a very middle ground response. Yeah. And, like, and so you're getting a lot of, like, middle ground there. I mean, one, if they change the name entirely, that's just, like, a marketing nightmare to try to make people think, like, this is the same band. This is not a different band. These are the same things yeah. and stuff. And Lady A is, a is I would consider it a compromise in this situation. They changed their name. It's still pretty similar. Uh, as me and Joe joke, what does the A stand for? Does it still stand for antebellum? <laughs> uh, some, some of my favorite ones are Lady Abolitionist. Or uh, I also like people saying, Lady, can we change it to Reconstruction? <laughs> um, so... I don't know. I, yeah, I think some... this was like a very middle ground response. I think this is like in terms of like keeping a strong business for them, like the best they can do in terms of like not alienating and confusing people uh, versus, you know, helping people you know, feel more comfortable with what their name is. Yeah. So I, you know, I, it's not bad. I think it's not a bad change. Um, I think a lot of people, uh, there's a lot of people on both sides of the BLM movement, like throwing stones at the ban that I saw because some people think it's pandering. Some people think it's a disingenuous. Uh, a lot of people, I think the, the, the thing is right now you're going to, you're going to lose either way. I think, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think this is definitely like, I mean, obviously if this didn't happen then you won't have any like controversy towards the band. But I mean, we could also go with the argument is like any publicity, good publicity. I mean, like, cause uh, you know, cause I feel like this, this got national attention. So maybe it got some more people to be like, Oh yeah, I remember them. Let's go listen to them. Yeah. Um, but uh, I will say in my opinion, I think this is the right move uh, and a pretty smart move for the long run. Right. I'm sure that, uh, I like, I like to imagine like the band members were like looking at each other when they had to make this decision about what they're going to change their name to. And they were like, see, you know, I don't know what the band members names are, but it's like, see Tommy, this is why we didn't name it just antebellum or we would be screwed here. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, so I mean, they, you know, definitely survived that much better than our previous topic. Um, so we got all of that BLM protest kind of like PR stuff going on at the same time uh, in everyone's minds. Also in everyone's minds is COVID and the effect COVID is having on the business. Um, so let's look at some of that. So we're seeing some more cancellations and festivals and other uh, venues right now. And we're also seeing people coming out with 2021 lineups right. already. I mean, my, funny enough, if you want a personal story, my mother bought tickets to see Gilbert O'Sullivan, which is like a very old like thing. I love Gilbert O'Sullivan, but he's obscure now. And so uh, he, she bought tickets to see him. I think literally like it was going to be this month. And this it was at uh, this venue. And literally they said, well, because the venue also serves food, we can give you like 125% credit towards the food or you can have a, uh, you can basically go for the reschedule tour, which is in like end of 2021. And my mother took the food. So, uh, <laughs> Wait, okay. hold on. When is she going to get the food? Like when she See, goes this there was next a big time? Thing. Yeah. Like, well, okay. it was just more of like, 
she said she <laughs> do would they like, have a delivery service? she would order it and pick it up supposedly because what kind of food enough. do they have there i have no idea but i just thought that was hilarious that like <laughs> In some way, I mean, there's a lot of venues out there and especially promoters that are like, what is everything and anything we can give these people except money? Yeah. Um, she, she gets a knock on the door tomorrow. There's like a, like a, like a 12 pack of like hot dogs. Right. Like just, so let's, uh, let's talk about closing festivals. Uh, we saw Lollapalooza finally said it's off for the year. Um, it was supposed to take place July 30th through August 2nd. And usually draws a hundred thousand people. Uh, they said, and I'm quoting a Rolling Stone article here about Lollapalooza's closure. In lieu of the actual festival, however, Lala said that they would host a viral live stream festival during the same weekend that would feature performances from around the city and beyond, epic arch- archival sets from Chicago, and the festival's six international editions never before seen footage from the 1990s and much more a full schedule will be released next month so they're trying to keep the strength of their brand uh they postponed the the south american run which i know Lollapalooza in south america is kind of like crazy in mm-hmm. terms of like the amount of people they get and everything um these are kind of like the start where i think we're starting to see you know the real tough cuts coming of festivals canceling we've seen Lollapalooza, and as the article points out, South by Southwest, Something in the Water, Boston Calling have all been outright canceled, while Bonnaroo and Coachella have been pushed back to September and October, respectively. Do you think that's going to happen? Um, I don't think it's going to happen. So here's, uh, and I have a related article to this, but when we, especially about Coachella, um, so we're like I was saying, we're starting to see the cuts, and like I, you know, kind of theorized in my head for the rest of the year, you have the first two weeks of December, maybe to do shows. And I think at the earliest you could do like a show and like get it together and everything. It would take like a month and a half, Mm -hmm. like to get everything together and all that stuff. So, you know, we're looking at from somewhere from the middle of July to December, So we're looking at all these venues that want these shows and all these artists that want to play if, and also this is all dependent on if city ordinances allow it, if state ordinances allow it. And if, you know, we're even able to have a crowd that comes. So we only have a couple weekends between those two things that venues of various sizes would just have to battle it out versus, you know, nearby festivals that also could be in the mix. So it, it's just chaos. I, I don't think my personal thing is I don't think these big festivals are going to happen this year. I think the COVID has just not come down enough and we're going to probably see more spikes of it, which means we're going to see a lot more rescheduling. I think Yeah, uh, they're really trying to fight, not giving canceled tickets because then well, that's so much money in capital. Yeah. I mean, that's, they're going to have to, it, it just, it sucks because they're going to have to fire people at that point, you know, and, and like they're going to have to have a bunch of layoffs, which I, you're about to get into. Yeah. Um, but it, if anything, this has shown is that no organization, no festival is untouchable right. over something. I, I completely agree. Um, I think I will say the only thing that's different is that you have 
especially Live Nation and AEG in this case, the ability to bleed more in a lot more sense than yeah. these other, especially smaller well, promoters. And Coachella is going to be fine. I'm not worried about Coachella. I'm not worried about Coachella. You know, I'm not worried Bonnaroo, about Bonnaroo as much, but still like... Yeah, Bonnaroo is a little bit like worrying because they do use like a smaller promoter right. and stuff. But, you know, even then, I think they can get through the year, be fine. But, you know, it's the small... It's like the South by Southwest, even though it has gone more mainstream, there's still like a lot of collaboration with other promoters and stuff on that that, you know, some of them might not come back after this yeah i I completely agree um and we've seen some articles that support that as well uh what joey was alluding to is also aeg is announcing layoffs as they hit the company and is probably looking to reschedule coachella according to billboard um and most global tours will be all mostly pushed to next year uh, so aeg is quote laying off 15 percent of its workforce for or furloughing can't say where it's more than 100 employees across multiple divisions at the company and instituting 20 to 50% pay cuts. Um, it is clear now that the live events with fans will not resume for many months and likely not, to, not until sometime in 2021 Beckerman, who's the chief executive of AEG. Um, and then go on the Coachella front. It's also unlikely reschedule events will take place this year, starting with Coachella, which won't be returning in October as originally hoped. Billboard has learned officials with Golden Voice, which is a subsidiary of AEG, but they've always run Coachella, are still trying to determine whether the the two weekend 125,000 person per day festival will make a limited capacity run in April 2021 or a higher or a larger higher capacity comeback in October 2021. About 40% of ticket buyers have requested refunds for this year's festival, and AEG offices think they could probably pull off a festival in April at 60% capacity, but are holding off on making a final rescheduling decision until there's more clarity on the pandemic's overall trajectory. Uh, so it's pretty bleak. Um, and we're, they're also hinting that a vaccine seems to be the only way that we could get customer trust to come up to come see festivals and you know these and they also say that lower capacity shows would have a sub substantially less revenue and require renegotiations with artists and venues uh but it's so messy and you know we're seeing crazy refunds all over the place although they have said that refund rates for arena shows have been at about 20 percent, and only about 10 to 15 percent of fans have requested refunds for shows at clubs and theaters which I find interesting. I guess yeah. I guess it, that makes sense. If you're going to make a refund, you would think, oh, if this thing's a huge concert, like if I'm going to an arena or a stadium, it's definitely not happening. But maybe we could get you know away with a club or a theater show. Yeah, maybe. I I have a feeling those numbers will increase though. Yeah, um, I I think so too. Um, I mean, I'm I'm honestly a very um, I, I get it, I guess, because there is kind of a, you, you know, with ticket sales, sometimes these things sell out so fast that just having them has value to itself as opposed to the value of the ticket. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you might be also seeing that, but, you know, especially with Ticketmaster and other large things like that, where you have to you literally go against online bots sometimes. I think maybe that might be reasons why fans are holding tickets because, you know, you got the tickets. Yeah, which sometimes yeah they sell out more than I guess a festival or right. something. Um, which is crazy, but I mean, AG really hitting it home with you know kind of like the reality of the situation. Yeah, 
Um, like I was saying, I think 2021 is the next year that we possibly could see any return to, you know, quote unquote normalcy in terms of concerts and stuff like that. Um, and I think Joe, you kind of share that statement as well, don't you? Yeah. I, I, you know, I, during the beginning of this, I was really hopeful that we'd be able to hold out or, you know, something, something would change. But the, the fact of the matter is, you know, pe- more people are getting sick right now. Like th- our, the U.S. numbers are increasing by a lot and they're going to keep increasing. So in, in terms of do I feel bad about this? Yeah, it sucks. It really fucking sucks because this is the most stable, quote unquote, part of the music industry that's getting hurt. And a lot of artists and a lot of people that I admire Uh, A lot of friends of mine, you know, have lost jobs, have had to make career changes because of this. And it it is really disheartening to see. And I hate it because we all just want to put on a great show. But at the end of the day, is life, does life matter more than this? You know what I mean? Right. I mean, I think I'd rather save a couple thousand people if we can't put on the show. Oh, 100%. You know, like, and that's the thing. And like, we're also talking about other than just, you know, the health factor to this. I mean, you also importantly have customer trust, which is kind of pointed out in this thing. Are people going to be comfortable with being with that many people? You know, that's the other thing. I, I don't think most bands, at least on the come up, like the biggest bands who have younger fans and stuff like that, they're not going to, I I think if anything, younger people have been, have actually come over to, okay, we need to stop going out so much now, you know, because there was so much of that initial backlash with this kids going to like fucking Florida and shit, you know? Yeah. (laughs) And I, I actually have been seeing more and more people, you know, following regulation here in Nashville and stuff and like wearing masks, staying six feet apart. And it's actually been the older people that I've seen haven't been following that. So I feel like at least my hypothesis would be older people are more likely to be like, fuck it. I'm going to go to a concert than some of the younger people. Yeah, maybe. Um, it just, I guess it just depends. Yeah. We we don't have the data for it. Yeah. We don't know. That's just kind of a, like a guess from my I would be very interested to see if there was like a if there was like an age for if I would like to see kind of refund rates for specific artists and seeing what their demographics are yeah because that would be very interesting to me as well to see if you know younger people are more likely to be like we want a refund Mm -hmm. or if older people are like we want a refund or if it's just middle ground all around and there's no way to tell Um, yeah it's it's hard right now because I think there's so much going on. It's there's so many studies going on right now I too. Mean, of, yeah, of stuff. And, I mean the it's one. It's gonna be a while before the we one see thing that data. That the entertainment industry has basically come to terms with is we are definitely the last on the pole of things returning to normal. Yeah, like no one is gonna. This isn't the first thing that people are like. We want this first. People would rather you know obviously go outside, see their friends regularly you know, go to a bar in a regular capacity mm-hmm. then have like concerts and stuff all over the place. Uh, so AG's hurting, but Joe, I've seen the people who really can't afford to hurt are hurting too. So Joe, what do we, what do we research here about these smaller venues? Yeah. So according to 
numerous articles uh, and a press release uh, sent out by NIVA, the National Independent Venue Association. It was a survey that was sent out to a bunch of uh, venues. They say that 90% of independent venues uh, could close due to COVID. And if if they do not get government funding uh, six months from now, then all those places apparently might shut down. Um, so here I'll run down the situation that the NIVA has kind of put out. So the situation is independent venues were the first to close and will be the last to open. Venues have zero revenue, but obligations like mortgage, rent, bills, loans, taxes, and insurance continue. We have no work to offer our employees for the foreseeable future. The shutdown is an indefinite and likely to extend to extend into 2021 as our venues are in the last stage of reopening. The ability to open at partial capacity is not economically feasible. uh, And due to national rooting of most tours, our industry will not recover until the entire country is open hundred percent. And so what they're, they're wanting is uh, government funding basically to come in and help bail them, uh, and there's been a huge push by this organization too to to get that out. I mean, there's been a couple of, of surveys and stuff that they put up, or uh, petitions that people could sign and like talk to your people and all that stuff about um, possibly getting this government funding. I'm going to be a hundred percent though. I, you know, we haven't really seen it happen. Uh, there's been a couple of like smaller stuff. Uh, getting bailed out in the music industry and stuff like that. Um, and they, I think they did receive like bailout money at the beginning of this. Right. I, they may, I, I like can't it was, it wasn't sure. a lot though. Yeah. It wasn't I can't enough remember for sure, but they may have been in that like miscellaneous category that like that giant yeah. act went through. Well, mostly. I mean, gig workers took forever to get on the, the thing because they just wouldn't let gig workers be on like the, yeah. the COVID money. So um, and by COVID money, I'm talking about like the 1200 right. bucks that per as, person. As the, this points out, um, the PPP loans are just not enough for a lot of these businesses. And a lot of them are, you know, can't even get them because the PPP loans are just like so coveted and right at the start, you know, yeah. need to go like somewhere. And so they just get sent off and then the balance is empty yeah. for a lot of these oh, things. Oh, uh, correction. I said um, the $1,200 uh, but it's actually uh, unemployment. That's what I meant. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, um, sorry. I just wanted to correct that before someone came at me. Um, <laughs> um, but basically, if you guys want to check out the survey, you can at saveourstages.com. Uh, you can also get more information about how to contact your legislators about it there. Um, it's super easy, very easy to navigate a website. Take, took took me like 30 seconds to do to do the petition and all that stuff. Um, Uh, And if you're in the music industry, I suggest look into it at least and see if it's something you want to support. Definitely a thing. I mean, we're seeing in my, I'm, I want with all my heart for this to happen, but I feel like in my, I've kind of, I don't mean to cast out, but at the same time I do in terms of loans specifically for a lot of these venues and stuff and the way that they're kind of like stating it, I think they should have them. I just think it'd be a very hard sell to go, well, we want money for all these music places. And they go, well, we want money for like, you know, 
the hospitals and yeah. like and stuff you know like all that kind I mean, of stuff for like regular more traditional business um it's it's all about who's got the lobbyists to to get the money basically well, we're also seeing you know and they and they brought this up in their um NIVA's like actual little write up here they brought up that uh you know, a lot of these don't apply if you have, and which, you know, is kind of funny and not funny at the same time. Don't really apply as much to people who have a lot of part-time employees. And I, when I saw that, I went, you know, part of that is true. I mean, part of that is like, I mean, the fact is true. A lot of these people are part-time, but part of it is like, oh yeah, we only need you like, I don't know, 20 hours a week to come and, you know, set up the stage, clean up the stage, you know, do all this stuff or, but some of it is like, yeah, we don't want to give you full time. (laughs) Yeah. And so I think that's kind of hilarious that like, in some aspects that maybe in the music industry sense could be biting them, you know, right back on the ass because they didn't want to give, they didn't want to give people full time. And now the government's like, yeah, these, all these loans are going out to full time employees that have like 50 full time employees. People after this, in the music industry, I think once everything starts back up again, which I, I do think is going to happen. Oh, I don't yeah, know if it's going to be for two or three years, but it will happen. I again. don't think, I don't think there's a doubt that it'll come back because music, you know, is just such an essential part in life and entertainment in general. Yeah. But I think that it definitely might take longer than people are hoping for. Yeah. And I also think that you might see, you might see some bleeding in the music industry for a while because historically in, you know, a lot of countries, the arts and stuff, which, you know, entertainment and live entertainment, I would consider a technical, but also an art in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. is, uh, not really considered, you know, like one of the forefronts of society as much as like schools and hospitals and stuff like that, you know? Um, yeah. So, well, I want to, I want to, I want to say on like, uh, expanding on that. I think a lot of business profession, music business professionals are going to go into new jobs being like, okay, how, how secure is my position? You know, like, am I full time? Do I have benefits? Do I have some sort of, you know, retirement set up. Yeah. You might see that across the, how, how are you as a company going to protect me, the worker that supports your brand, supports your company, your artists, blah, 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 to get shit done. Are you going to help prop me up and shelter me from shit like this? You know, that's true. Which, uh, I think it might, who knows, like maybe 10 years from now, this might be a benefit because this is a catalyst of, of, the industry that I think a lot of changes are going to happen internally with these, you know, businesses with labels, with management companies and the whole nine yards, you know, true that. Um, well on a lighter note, <laughs> on a, lighter, a much lighter <laughs> note than the rest of this. The PS five has been announced. And if you can't tell, we are gamer girls and we love games. <laughs> That's not how I wanted you to phrase that at all, <laughs> okay. but we'll keep moving. Hey, I'm a gamer girl. All right. So, I mean, in general, I don't think we would have covered this in terms of like just saying the PS5 is announced, but it, I think in terms of like how the landscape is right now, especially with people staying, live at, entertain- home. People staying at home and live entertainment. And then in our first podcast, when we were talking about Spotify and Spotify is saying the importance of streaming on video game consoles, or it's kind of important to talk about. Even our uh, podcast, our last podcast where we talked about um, Travis Scott being in Fortnite, you know? Yeah. Like music and video games go hand in hand and have been for a couple of years now. And people have been pushing these labels have been really pushing to get 
um, placements, like song placements on these games and stuff. Right. Um, yeah, I guess labels and, uh, um, publishing too. Yeah. Um, but so let's, let's talk about the PS five because, uh, or gaming in general, let's talk about gaming culture. Uh, there used to be such a huge stigma on being an adult, being an adult and being a gamer, you know, do you remember? Uh, yeah. I mean, it was just like one of those things where it's like kind of like grow up, you know? Yeah. Um, which I think, you know, it's still a little bit, but you know, like we're, we are making it more of like a, it is a part of life that if you would like to participate in, you can, and there's not going to be a stigma against it, you know? Mm -hmm. Exactly. But I just want to talk about more of like, in terms of music and genres, how, you know, now older music, people who, artists that are making music for older people that game might be able to transition more on to the platform instead of it just being, you know, plagued with not plagued, but, uh, I guess swamped with, uh, like EDM and stuff like that. I think historically EDM has been like the overarching genre of gamer music, right? EDM and electronic music. Now it, I feel like it's more like hip hop R and B, like top 40. I, I would definitely type of say that it would be like more of like, especially rap and hip hop has very much invaded the space compared to like what EDM used to be. And yeah, the blight that was dubstep in like 2011 <laughs> and 2012 on gaming. Um, Oh man. But you know, it's a very important market. I think that's very, uh, has to be looked at, especially now with, you know, since these traditional markets of like trying to get people to go to shows and, you know, getting people to learn about your music and stuff is very hard and a very cluttered digital age that like, this is another Avenue that needs to be considered, especially when those traditional avenues are cut out. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I mean, we're seeing this PS five and it's very apparent that, I mean, we're, we're seeing PS five and Xbox coming, you know, up to the front again, um, in terms of console consoles, Nintendo's still in there, but like in a different fashion in my opinion. Um, and so you're still seeing that. And I think that because of the streaming capability of people in general, and then also on the console itself in terms of like it being like a multimedia machine for your living room. Um, it could impact streaming in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, first, I mean, we're, like you were talking about, we have these labels that are targeting specific streamers and stuff and saying, hey, do you want to, you want some songs for your, you know, stuff and you're not going to get copyrighted strike? I mean, there was and still is kind of an era of like all of this non-copyrighted music that people have to use just because you don't want utter silence. Yeah. Um, well, uh, and here's another thing. I've noticed that our industry has been targeting more the live, uh, you know, aspect of it, it with like pro gamer events in Seoul, Korea or something. Or, oh, yeah. Or, you know, like, I guess some live stream events, too, but really, really not enough. Well, you know, it's a the, we're talking about, I mean, other than streaming are completely right. And then, you know, obviously just like streaming at home, like music, like on the Spotify app, we're talking about esports. Yeah. And esports has an incredible thing because just like any large event, it needs 
equipment to run it very well, which are, you know, it needs music, which is, has to be licensed and, you know, has to go through a bunch of people to make sure that it's okay. And people are getting paid in appropriate ways. It needs, uh, you know, actual live entertainment gear, like radios and, you know, giant PA systems to set it up and make sure everything works. And you just need like a lot of technical skill in terms of live entertainment and also just like, navigating it legally with like publishing and stuff that I think a lot of people throw under the rug. I mean, I, the company I work for actually has said that the overwatch league is the, is like one of the biggest things we have. It's great. You know, like stuff like that. Um, overwatch league, we're talking about any esports stuff like that. They all need this stuff. That's so synonymous with live entertainment that it's just a perfect stomping ground for people to go, Hey, do you want to buy this? You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, do so, you want to stream this? Do you want to, yeah. you know, follow my band? That kind of thing. Exposing people to a new market, you know? Right. It's so important. It's, it's very apparent that it's, it's invading the space. And I'd be very curious to see how artists and stuff, you know, crack deals with these streamers in some regards to go, Hey, can you play this on your stream? You know, I think it's definitely going to be, hard especially with the way that streaming is structured especially with like auto detection and stuff yeah uh with like being sometimes and a lot of times when people have permission for things especially on a youtube or twitch they'll still get flagged like even if they won't and then that'll still be an issue for them where they're like we're giving you a strike and that's a whole thing for a streamer to deal with yeah you know well here's the thing i think it would be beneficial for publishers to target streamers because I think that's where the majority of like casual gamers to semi-professional gamers kind of live and like like to be you know right like people who use it as like oh I play this game this person's funny I like their personality it's almost like radio we're already past the point of you know like listening to your song for free somewhere so like why not just like you know, get some good marketing. Yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. Like, I've like, and people will go look at, I mean, I know people that will just listen to songs on just YouTube with well, the ads dude, on and fucking, you're making nothing. Well, Why don't you any make a- new media is going to get you streams if you're there first. Like TikTok, it's still relatively a new media. Right. Dude, I mean, I've seen so many like SoundCloud rappers on TikTok post this thing, you know, they, they have one video go viral or something. And by viral on TikTok, it means you get like, I don't know, like 400 or 40K likes or something, right? But like, that's a lot of videos. Right. So it's hard to stand out in the in the soundscape of TikTok. But people are will fucking click on that link on TikTok if they like you and will support you. And I saw a dude, I will not name him, uh, he he went viral with the video and he got a shit ton of streams just from this. I don't think it's necessarily because the song's good. You know what I mean? It has everything to do with your exposure. Well, as I've always said, and I think kind of to wrap up this segment is if you can make your song a meme, that's where the money is. Yeah, now. but it, you see, in this situation, it wasn't even a meme and it wasn't even embedded music. It's just a shout out that he put a song out. So that's what's powerful, you know, is if you get in on new media fast and strong like that, you can do it. It doesn't really 
necessarily matter how good of a musician you are at that point. Yeah, I completely agree. So um, here at the bottom, Joe, what are we looking at? New music, music we've been listening to? Yeah, so uh, I put a couple of new releases on there. It's just, <laughs> I didn't finish the list, actually. <laughs> right, we got three. Yeah, we three got three. People they're both, they're things. all three indie boys, <laughs> so we can we can skip that. Um, okay, but fine. we could just talk about, you know, what we've been listening to, what we've, what we've been enjoying. Okay. Um, I have been listening to Flight of the Concords a lot. Um, I, I know you have. Because it's, <laughs> I, I like shit like that. Um, it's just funny, and... Both of those, Brett and Jermaine, have both like uh, done like crazy stuff in terms of like other content that's not related to that. Uh, Flight of the Concords is like an acoustic, like kind of like jokey band. They had a show on HBO in like 2008 and 2009, which they like walked away from in their third season. And that was like a, it was like a huge show at the time. But they're like traditionally comedians that do like music. Um, and so I've been listening to that a lot and it's just been really funny. Um, and you can like, just, there's so many layers of jokes in it and it's kind of that like dry humor <laughs> that yeah. I like a lot. Um, if you kind of like tenacious D and other stuff like that, you probably like this too. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're, they're great. And like, you know, Jermaine's done a lot of things like, uh, he was the crab and Moana. And then like, he also was, uh, what what is it? What we do in the shadows? Yeah, uh, he uh, he was in that movie and directed that movie with. Uh, did uh, he do the TV show too? He I think he's listed as like I think he's the person that brought that to TV and he's still like a director. But so is uh, what's his name? The guy with the T. It's like Taki. I can't remember his name right now. But he's also like the co-director, but I think he's responsible for it to be on TV. Yeah. And then Brett has done, he, he's like, oh, he was kind of a meme for a while because he was in like Lord of the Rings as like a nameless character. <laughs> and then uh, he also, I think he won an Academy Award, believe it or not, for doing the uh, Am I a Man or Am I a Muppet song in the Muppet movie. I'm not even joking. He did like a lot of the songs in the, that movie. That's amazing. Yeah. He, he's just so funny and it like translates to other things. So Joe, what have you been listening to? Uh, well, uh, I've been listening to a lot of singles, I guess, because I've just, I'm trying to break out of my music rut, which I think it's hard to do through a streaming service sometimes because they just recommend you the same shit. Yeah, I mean, it's hard when you can't see people or go outside, really. (laughs) Yeah, so I've been listening to a lot of 90s hip-hop recently, especially I started running again, so that's been fun. Um, And I'll listen to that on my runs. Uh, I never was really a huge Tupac fan, but I kind of... I'm getting really more into him a lot recently. Um also been listening to uh, Jaguar Sun, great uh, act, um, and Mackay as well. He keeps coming out with singles for this release. It's really interesting how he's marketing it. But um, a lot of that stuff, um, show-wise, what we do in the shadows was amazing. That's, I mean, that's oh, what yeah. I, we yeah, were binging that. That's a great show. Um, <laughs> it's so good. Well... That's show showbiz, baby. baby. <laughs> we can't just okay. Hold on. <laughs> okay, <laughs> what, we what? can't. We can't just end it like that. Why not? I I don't know. It, it doesn't feel right. We gotta say goodbye. Goodbye. That showbiz, baby. <laughs> <laughs>
Thank you for listening to That Showbiz Baby Podcast, your all things music business and media podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Showbiz Baby Pod, Facebook and Instagram at That Showbiz Baby Podcast, and email us with your questions and concerns or topics at That Showbiz Baby Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.